I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Mechanical bulls on parade. It's head noon for Monday, October 18th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcotour.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 271st day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. Your ship is sinking, but the television told you that all the smart people are staying aboard. So look where you are. You're still on the ship. Why are you taking on all that water, commie? It's not smart. You don't have to do it. You don't owe those people anything. The people on television are not your friends. You can simply stop listening to them whenever you want. There should be a point at which you say this person and the organization that this person is representing. Well, they've been wrong about absolutely every single thing now for 18, 19 months. And I think I've had enough. You can say that you can just be that person who no longer participates in the fantasy. You see, Kami, I know you've been convinced that letting go of these beliefs would then make you a conspiracy theorist. You would be defying the experts. You would become that dumb Luddite that you have imagined everyone else to be that person that you shamed and bullied and censored the sort of person that you wanted to see unemployed forever so that they might starve their way into agreeing with you. But you don't have to become that because those people aren't that either. You could just simply retake control of your own mind and your own beliefs and your own morality. The TV's not even going to know. You're watching the TV. The TV's not watching you. I mean, okay. (laughs) Your phone is definitely watching you. And everyone knows you stayed on legacy social media. So they're watching you too. But for now, at least, the television is not watching you. Brian Stelter can't see your face when you are shaking your head. And your forehead is in your palm and you're thinking, how is he saying this stuff? He can't tell. You can just 
let it go. You can just turn Brian Stelter off. You never have to listen to him again. No one is going to check to make sure that you're doing it. At least not right now. So the thing is, you got to get off the sinking ship. And I know you think that I'm just making fun of you for my own entertainment and the entertainment of others. It's true. That's definitely part of it. But that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to strip your terrible communist beliefs of all the social credit they help you acquire. And once the social credit on having communist beliefs goes back down to zero, where it should be, people will stop having those beliefs. The mainstream of this country does not intend to be communist, just like they don't intend to be part of a hate movement. But it turns out that your inattention to what's actually happening and your ability to ignore all the people who have tried to help you come back to reality over the course of this time, that is made it possible that you were able to inadvertently walk yourself into a hate movement and into a whole series of purely communist beliefs to the point where your adherence to an ideology is all you have left. You simply can't let go because you have held on this long. And I'm telling you, that's crazy. And I get it. You're pot committed. You've invested so much in this one viewpoint that you feel like you owe it to yourself to see this through to the end. But what is the end? Okay. Everything upon which you have based your political affiliations that you think are all very rational, but are unfortunately just tribal and actually all provably obviously wrong. It's all falling apart. All of it. All of it. Every single one of the narratives is falling apart. And yes, there are still the people in the media and in the fake administration trying to convince you that what you see with your eyes and hear with your ears and feel inside, all of it is wrong. And you just need to continue trusting them. And you feel like you're so invested. You do identify with this set of beliefs and this set of priorities, the tribal affiliation. It's all very real. But the thing is, it's not going to turn around. There's not going to be a day where this begins to pay off for you again. All right. It paid off for a very, very long time to have the affiliations you have. It helped you to achieve success and prominence and even community within a certain segment of the population that I often refer to as the party of false decorum, the sorts of people you want to impress were impressed by this affiliation. That peaked a few years ago and has been on a consistent decline ever since. Your investment in that is becoming worthless and it's a good idea for you to sell, sell, sell before you end up spiritually and intellectually destitute. And hey, Kami, if you have begun to realize that you are on a bullet train to Shitsville, all you have to do 
is let go. Just let go. Understand you made a mistake. Brainwashing, inattention, other priorities. Blame it on whatever you like. Okay? You know inside that you don't want to be associated with a hate movement, right? You don't want to be associated with a movement built on lies, right? That's not how you imagine yourself. You never thought you were going to be in this position where somehow you are propping up a Nazi regime, but you are, you are. You believed that voting for a man who was mentored in politics by a Klansman was the way to solve racism. Okay. You did it. I know it doesn't make sense when I put it like that. And that's certainly not what you felt about it, but it's true. And that's unavoidable. It just is what it is. You can't go back and revise that part. Although that's what they're doing in the schools. They really are trying to go back and just revise history, just change it all. So that you guys are always on the right side. That is what's happening in schools right now. But the thing is, no one's going to believe you. The only thing you can do to fix it is to let go of all of those stupid and evil communist ideas, make amends with all the people you've been terrible to, and simply migrate back to America. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Monday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Happy Monday, commies. Welcome to the show. And might I say, let's go, Brandon. That is now off limits in Canada. Canada's government has said to the government employees that they are not allowed to say, let's go, Brandon. Not kidding. You're not allowed to say, let's go, Brandon. Now, if you don't know what Let's go, Brandon is. I have no idea how, but I'll tell you very quickly. Two weeks ago, or maybe it was three now. I think it was two. There was a NASCAR race. The winner at the end of the NASCAR race was interviewed. This is on NBC. The crowd begins chanting, fuck Joe Biden, which is a wonderful chant. It's music to my ears. I should make it an alarm clock ringtone. So that every day I wake up to Americans cheering, fuck Joe Biden. That would be wonderful. That's a great way to start the day. But the very attentive and creative NBC interviewer said, hey, you hear the crowd chanting, let's go, Brandon, because the driver's name was Brandon. She tried to pull it off. She tried. It was a beautiful attempt. I honestly give her a lot of credit. That is really thinking on the fly, but let's go. Brandon has become an international phenomenon. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves it except for the Canadian government. And if you work for the Canadian government, you're not allowed to say those words anymore. And it's kind of hilarious how the thing that liberals, especially in Hollywood, used to always say if they were worried the election wouldn't go their way, they'd be like, I'm moving to Canada. I remember in 2016 on the night uh, Donald Trump was elected, I was at a 
house to watch. It was like a uh, election watch party. And everybody there, of course, was uh, Hillary Clinton voter. And there were people being like, I'm moving to Canada. That's it. I'm moving to Canada. I'm moving to Canada. That is amazing. Okay. What they were saying, the point they were trying to make was that they were going to move away to Canada because the United States would be this authoritarian nation right now that represents nothing but uh, evil. And it was going to be a dictatorship, even though Donald Trump was duly elected. They were going to run to Canada. Now, what is Canada? Canada is an authoritarian dictatorship run by a man who steals elections and who is almost definitely the son of Fidel Castro, Justin Trudeau. Now, I know you're thinking, hey, that's crazy. Why are you saying Justin Trudeau is the son of Fidel Castro? That makes no sense. I've never heard anything like that. And to that, I'd say, well, tell you what, go ahead and look it up. Justin Trudeau's dad, in quotes, looks absolutely nothing like Justin Trudeau. You know who does? Fidel Castro. Also, Justin Trudeau's mom was very close to Fidel Castro. In fact, Justin Trudeau's parents used to visit Fidel Castro. And you can see where this story's going. Trudeau's dad was kind of a famous bachelor and playboy who married Justin Trudeau's mom really late in the game and had never had a child before. So it would be odd, to say the least, if he suddenly ended up with a child, Justin Trudeau, who looks absolutely nothing like him, while at the same time, Justin Trudeau's mom who was kind of, let's say, a socialite, was hanging out with Fidel Castro at exactly the right time to have made it possible for Fidel Castro to be Justin Trudeau's dad. And I think we can all be adults about this, but what I'm saying is, go ahead and look it up for yourself. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Justin Trudeau is definitely Fidel Castro's son. It's that easy to tell. Not kidding. So, of course, he has followed in his father's footsteps and become a raging communist. But by the end of November, if you're 12 or older and want to fly or take the train, you'll have to be fully vaccinated, as will staff. Testing will no longer be an option before boarding. Now, I didn't add that awesome music, but you see the point. If you are a 12-year-old who wants to travel with your family to grandma's house for Christmas, you need to get vaccinated. Is the vaccine safe for 12-year-olds? Nope. Turns out it's really, really terrible for them. But got to do what you got to do. Everybody has to get vaccinated or this disease will never end. That's what they tell us. So what is the mechanism by which the disease can end if we get vaccinated? And it turns out there isn't one. The only strategy is you get vaccinated 
And then you try to force everyone else to get vaccinated because you had to do it. And it's not fair. It's not fair that other people don't have to do it. That is the situation we're in right now. Everybody forces everybody else because that original group that already complied and agreed to become part of the medical experiment. Well, they're pissed off that they're part of the experiment and you're not. You've had your life threatened by medical tyranny. So now everyone has to have it. And why? Well, because these people are extremely pot committed. They are invested in their narrative. They convinced themselves and one another that they were doing the smart thing and the right thing. And now that that narrative is completely falling apart, the only way to make themselves feel better is for everyone else to make the same mistake. Then they feel like they're not the dumb ones until that happens. They actually are the dumb ones. And there was a great piece about this this weekend from uh, American thinker. This is from Saturday. Uh, Thomas Seiler, MD, the unvaccinated are looking smarter every week. There's a massive propaganda push against those choosing not to vaccinate against COVID-19 with the experimental mRNA vaccines. Mainstream media, the big tech corporations and our government have combined efforts to reward compliance and to shame and marginalize noncompliance. Their mantra says that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Persons who choose not to vaccinate are characterized as unintelligent, selfish, paranoid people who don't read much and live in a trailer park in Florida or Alabama or Texas or name your state. Never has there been such an effort to cajole, manipulate through fear and penalize people to take an experimental medical treatment. And again, that has all the signs of an authoritarian movement, does it not? That has all the signs of a hate movement, does it not? They are saying this group of people has decided not to participate in the medical experiment. Therefore, they must be stupid. They must be ignorant. They must be hateful. They must be racist. They must be anti-gay. They are just throwing the entire communist playbook at the wall to hope that something sticks so that they can smear the enemy, which is all of us. However, as time has passed with this pandemic and more data accumulates about the virus and the vaccine, the unvaccinated are looking smarter and smarter with each passing week. It has been shown now that the vaccinated equally catch and spread the virus. Vaccine side effect data continues to accumulate that make the risk of taking the vaccine prohibitive as the pandemic wanes. Oral and IV medications that work early in the treatment of COVID-19 are much more attractive to take now, as the vaccine risks are becoming known, especially because the vaccinated will need endless boosters every six months. OK, and this is extremely relevant right now. Johnson and Johnson is now deciding that their one shot now needs a booster shot. So all of the vaccines in quotes, vaccines. All of them have declared that their dosage actually doesn't do what they say it does. The booster itself is an admission of failure or an admission of dishonesty. And it's truthfully the second one, though it's fine to interpret it as the first. The truth is for it to actually be an admission of failure, they wouldn't have been planning the extra stages of this in the first place. But they were, 
which means that this is now just an admission of dishonesty. They lied to people. They tricked them. They had what they call fully vaccinated, which means that you were two weeks past your final dose, either the only first dose of Johnson and Johnson or the second dose of Moderna or Pfizer. Once you pass two weeks, then you are fully vaccinated. Before that point, you are unvaccinated. Although now, if you wait too long after that point, you go back to being unvaccinated. And that will be a very strange position for people to be in after they have spent so much of their time and energy calling the unvaccinated evil, pretending that they are killers, pretending that they are extending the pandemic. They are the problem. They are the reason why we can't go back to normal. That's what's being said about the unvaccinated. We'll see if that chorus continues when the fully vaccinated return to unvaccinated status once again, as they are going to do. But they're not even just talking about needing the booster for the Johnson and Johnson people. There is conversation about them needing to take one of the MRNA vaccines instead of a Johnson and Johnson booster. They can't have the same thing over and over again. They need to get on the MRNA platform. How is that not obviously bullshit? And while other countries are stopping the use of this or that vaccine for this or that age group, the United States and Canada, the Build Back Better nations, are just plowing right ahead. The MRNA vaccine Efficacy is very narrow and focused on the original alpha strain of COVID-19 by targeting one antigen group on the spike protein. It does help for the original alpha strain, but it is clear now it does not protect against Delta strain and it is likely not protective against any future strains that might circulate. It also appears that the efficacy wanes in four to six months, leading to discussion about boosters. And by the way, this article strikes me for the record as being a little bit too charitable to the vaccine narrative. Several authors have pointed out that vaccinating with a, quote, leaky vaccine during a pandemic is driving the virus to escape by creating variants. If the booster is just another iteration of the same vaccine, it likely won't help against the new strain, but will instead produce evolutionary pressure on the virus to produce even more variants and expose us to more side effects. Why then is this booster strategy for everyone being pursued? This vast phase three clinical trial of mRNA vaccines in which Americans are participating mostly out of fear is not going well. It is abundantly clear for anyone advocating for public health that the vaccination program should be stopped. Iceland has just stopped giving the Moderna vaccine to anyone, which is a good step in the right direction. Sweden, Denmark and Finland have banned the Moderna vaccine for anyone under the age of 30. VAERS, our vaccine adverse effect reporting system showed at the beginning of this week 16,000 deaths, 23,000 disabilities, 10,000 myocarditis, 87,000 urgent care visits, 75,000 hospital stays, and 775,000 total adverse events. The VAERS system is widely known to underreport events, with an estimated 90 to 99% of events going unreported there. 90 to 99% unreported. That means that the numbers I just read for you are likely an estimated 1 to 10% of the total. So if you're going to assume that they are 
10% of the total, that means it's actually been 160,000 people who have died from the vaccine. If it's 1%, well, then that's 1.6 million people who the vaccine has killed. And I don't know if it's that high, but 160,000, I could believe no problem. Udra Vigilance, the European reporting system, now associates 26,000 deaths in close proximity to administration of the vaccine. Whistleblower data from the CMS system, the Medicare charts, showed close to 50,000 deaths in the Medicare group shortly after vaccine. And this is a little while ago. This is actually the information that uh, Thomas Renz, the attorney Thomas Renz, R-E-N-Z, has been exposing. And you can look up his cases. And he has a great presentation that he did a couple of weeks ago. You can watch the video on that. I know it's on Rumble and elsewhere. Search Thomas Renz in the info stream on Telegram or just on Telegram in general. You will find a lot. An AI powered tracking program called Project Salus also follows the Medicare population and shows vaccinated Medicare recipients are having worse outcomes week by week of the type consistent with antibody dependent enhancement. This occurs when the vaccine antibodies actually accelerate the infection, leading to worsening COVID-19 infection outcomes. Antibody-dependent enhancement has occurred previously with trials of other coronavirus vaccines in animals. The CDC and FDA are suppressing this data, and no one who receives the vaccine has true informed consent. The Rome Declaration has 6,700 medical signatories, attesting that the handling of the pandemic amounts to crimes against humanity for denying the best medical treatment and continuing to advocate for harmful vaccines. The evidence is right in front of Americans to end the propaganda and mass mask psychosis. The media narrative of perpetual fear is falling apart. Norway, Sweden, and Denmark have ended all COVID restrictions and are doing much better than the U.S., U.K., and Israel, three countries that continue to vaccinate into the pandemic. Mexico, Guatemala, Indonesia, almost all of Africa and parts of India have low vaccination rates and are doing much better than the U.S., something attributed to their managing the pandemic by using ivermectin. Over 500,000 people attended the Sturgis motorcycle rally in August, and there was no super spread of COVID-19. Football season started in August, and stadiums around the country are packed with 80,000 fans yelling and screaming with no masks. There have been no super spreader events. Yet the students are forced to go back to masking in class. This makes no sense. If the vaccine is so important, why do our government leaders and illegal aliens not have to take it? Currently, 13 states that are Democratic with high vaccination rates have the highest case rates using a faulty PCR test, while Republican states are all doing better. How does this happen? It should be clear that the government has manipulated COVID to create perpetual fear, so we'll hand it our liberty. In this giant battle between our government and the unvaccinated, I hope enough people will refuse to comply so we can unite to stop this madness. I know this decision is very difficult for many people when it comes to losing their job. To the vaccinated, please don't take any boosters, for you'll just be perpetuating the risk of side effects and new variants. If we allow the government to decide this medical decision for us, it is a short step for the government to say I, it can decide other medical decisions for you. E.g., all persons over 75 never be resuscitated. People may only have three children or two or one with mandatory sterilization for women or refusing the government's demands will see you denied health care. Is this the totalitarian state you want to live in? If you are proudly vaccinated now and on the government side, what about the next government mandate? When you're on the other side, coerced into a decision you don't want, how will you feel then? It is obvious that the government with 
the Fauci subset, the media and big tech are trying to divide us and take away freedoms we have enjoyed as Americans. I am praying that all who call themselves Americans can unite to end this medical tyranny and regain a free America before it is too late. Peacefully resist and do not comply. And Dr. Seiler is exactly right. I hope that at this point it is dawning on the fully vaccinated that their moment of becoming unvaccinated is rapidly approaching. Whether or not it's been announced for you in your particular age group or dependent on which vaccine you took, you know it's coming. And then there will be another one. You have signed up for the vaccine as a subscription service, and your subscription is not something that you can ever get out of. That is what they are telling you. And when you allow the government to begin setting restrictions on what you can do in your life based on the subscription, you've kind of created your own prison to borrow a phrase from Creed, which is something I never thought I would do. But the key realization here is that if you were one of the commies where back in the spring into the summer, you were an early adopter of signing up for the medical experiment and you were convincing everyone else to, and then you were encouraging mandates and all sorts of restrictions. You didn't want the unvaccinated to be allowed to go to the grocery store. You wanted them to starve or comply. That was your goal. You should be thankful that there are those of us who determined that we preferred to just simply have our own freedom, our own liberty, our own choices, because we are the wall between you and the authoritarian madness you're supporting. When this becomes a subscription service, which it inevitably would become, hopefully all of this will be stopped and a dark memory by then. But if it's not, then the only thing standing between you and having to be signed up permanently for the subscription service to whatever they want to inject into you, that's us. The people that you are intentionally trying to oppress will ultimately be the ones who save you. And that's why you have to let go. Okay. There has to be an end point. I don't care how vaxy you are. You might be the biggest fan of joining experimental medical procedures that the world has ever seen. Can't you imagine a point where maybe all of this simply goes too far? Where, for instance, all of the people dying from the next round of vaccines inhabit a certain ethnic group, let's say, and you realize, oh, wow, they're just killing people at this point. But then you still have to take the shot and you're like, well, you know, people like me aren't going to die. So you take it. You're just going to trust that that thing's never coming around to you. That's why you actually have to pay attention to the reactions that other people are having. I don't buy that any of 
the people taking these vaccines really believe at this point that the government is looking out for them. Anthony Fauci was a lunatic on television yesterday. They're actually openly discussing whether or not there's value to what they are actually calling mixing and matching with the vaccines. The idea that you had taken Johnson and Johnson. Now you take Moderna or you take Pfizer. Is there any data to back up that efficacy? Nope. Is there any theoretical reasoning? No. The only thing they ever refer to about these vaccines is that they boost the presence of antibodies and that those antibodies are supposed to definitely fix your COVID. That's all. Just the idea that these vaccines will create antibodies and those antibodies will help you. That is the foundation of the entire thing. And now we're beginning to see people forced to leave their jobs. There are a couple of videos that are up in the info stream from this weekend about uh, cops. They're talking to dispatch over the radio, basically signing off for the last time. They're heartbreaking, man. These guys have put in. One of the guys put in 17 years. I think the other guy put in like uh, 27 years that they've been on the force and they're having to sign off because they don't want to join the medical experiment. And then yesterday there was an article uh, in Fox News about a uh, sideline reporter, a college football sideline reporter for ESPN. Her name's Allison Williams, and she had to quit, too. She had made a request for an exemption and it was denied because ESPN, of course, is owned by Disney and Disney are just about the most authoritarian communists you can ever possibly find. And she wrote, belief is a word I've been thinking about a lot lately, because in addition to the medical apprehensions regarding my desire to have another child in regards to receiving this injection, I'm also morally and ethically not aligned with this. And I've had to really dig deep and analyze my values and my morals. And ultimately, I need to put them first. And the irony in all this is that a lot of these same values and morals that I hold dear are what made me a really good employee, what helped with the success I'm able to have in my career. And she said she didn't want to put paycheck over principle. And all of this is great, except for the fact that she has to leave her job, right? I mean, let's think about this in the cultural context. Allison Williams is a young woman in a public job at a prestigious organization. She has the sort of job a lot of people really want. She has the sort of job that a lot of people in the feminist sphere were really supportive of women getting. This is a an accomplishment for women to be uh, in the men's college football world, right? Because it used to be a gated community. Now it's an open community. This is supposed to be an advancement in our culture. And now we are removing qualified women from this role because they do not want to become part of a medical experiment. Allison Williams, I don't know a ton about her, but I know generally what these roles require. And it's a lot of work. You have to work your ass off to get this job. There's not that many people who get that job. It's a hard job to get. And so she worked and she's made a career out of this for herself. And now because she wants to have children and she wants to have healthy children, she has to leave. 
How is this an accomplishment for wokeness? These people always end up eating their own because, as I said the other day, there is no limit to this ideology. There's no end point. It always becomes more divisive. It always becomes more authoritarian. You have to comply. Always comply. Only comply. That is the point. It's compliance. And I've brought this up many times, but we are taught to think of communism as this uniting of workers. They get together and they have their little meetings in little basements. They're all covered in soot from a long day at the factory. And they talk about how the workers are going to unite. It's always presented from the bottom up not the top down. It makes it sound romantic. It makes it sound like it's in the interest of the lower classes. It is anything but that. This ideology is always and only about consolidating power at the top and everyone else just following the commands. But here we have a worker who has devoted her life to doing the job that she's doing. She sounds like she loves that job. Same as what we're talking about with Kyrie Irving last week. Kyrie Irving is at the top of his field. He is in the 1% of the 1% of basketball players in this entire world. I mean, what do we have? Like 7 billion plus people? Kyrie Irving is in the top 30, 40 players in the entire world. That's how good he is. That level of commitment, that level of skill. And he has to abandon his profession that he has spent his entire life working at because he has principles. And Allison Williams has principles. And that's why people are refusing the shot. And it's sad. It's genuinely sad to have to see these people, these cops, the sideline reporters, the basketball players, doesn't matter what your job is. If you love your job and you've devoted yourself to your profession and you have to leave that profession because some communists try to force you into joining a medical experiment, that's sad. But each one of these people has reached a personal precipice. And this is something that gets a lot of talk, partly because of Q stuff, but it also is completely aside from that an entirely relevant idea. People have to reach a point where they finally say, I know this is wrong. I cannot go any farther down this path. We all have them in different phases of our life, whether it's with jobs, with relationships, with our politics, doesn't make a difference. You reach a point and you say, this is not who I am and I can't go down this road any longer. For me, that came last year, late in late March, early April, when I realized, okay, this is not two weeks to slow the spread. This is not a break from work and from life. This isn't a time to uh, reflect and reset and prioritize the things that I want to do, the ways I want to spend my time, the people I want to be around. My life from before was just simply over. It was ended by California's communist governor. I was forced to look at what was happening and realize, wow, all 
of what I thought was my normal life. All of the things that I just accepted as this is the direction I'm going. All of this is fake. All this is false. And it has to be done away with. And you know that you are going to lose a lot of the direction that you once had. A lot of the things that anchor you into your reality, all of a sudden they are just pulled up and you are set adrift. You have to begin choosing these directions for yourself all over again. And in a state of chaos, in a state of nature, we would understand our survival and these decisions as something we do not have a choice about. You have to constantly be reacting to the world in intelligent ways because your survival is on the line. We get so comfortable that we forget that and we just continue to go in and out of each day, just one day after the next. We're just on a conveyor belt through our lives. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we go to work. The routine's always the same. You go out Friday night, Saturday, you kind of have some fun. You go out again. Sunday, you sit around and watch football. At night, you watch Netflix and HBO, and then it starts all over again. And you can do that for years and years and years, always thinking, oh, you know, I'm well, I'm planning for this. And when I get to the point that I want, that's when this is going to happen. And then maybe someday I'll have enough money to have kids and I'll fall in love at this point and I'll get married at this point and then the kids come along and then eventually I'll have saved enough for college and I'll save enough for my retirement and then hey that's the end of my ride that's how so many people in our culture approach life and you can do that until something stops you and that's what these people have reached that's what I reached last year and I'm sure many of you have reached that moment as well Many people reached it way before I did. They were always awake. They were always open to the immediacy of these choices in ways that I wasn't. They were much smarter than me. They were reacting to the real world in ways that I couldn't imagine. And I honor their vision. I'm glad that I have some part of that now because despite the world getting more difficult and on some level, scarier, less stable. It's also more vibrant and bright and exciting and interesting. It's invigorating to know that your choices actually have consequences and that you need to focus on those consequences. I'm glad I'm not the person I was two years ago. And I don't know who I would be right now if this jarring incident hadn't shaken me off that path and turned me down a new one. And I think the way Allison Williams described her situation is really great. She really had to reflect what were her values? What were the things that were important to her in her life? And she realized that her family and having children was going to be more important to her than keeping her job at ESPN. No matter how hard she had worked for it, no matter how much she loved doing what she was doing, she realized she had a higher purpose and that her life had more meaning than talking to football players on a sideline. And I'm not trying to diminish what she did at all because I've spent my life as a massive sports fan and actually used to work for ESPN as well. Like I understand 
that that was something she really, really wanted. But when you describe it on its true terms, which is she gets paid to walk up and down a sideline at a college football stadium talking to 19 to 22 year olds and some coaches. That's really what it is. Yeah, she gets paid nicely for that, which is awesome. And she has fun doing it, which is awesome. But if she reached that point, she probably has talents that she can use in other ways that don't include her supporting communists or her joining a medical experiment. And this way, she gets to have children, which I'm just guessing here will be far more fulfilling than talking to someone else's children on the sideline at a college football stadium. I actually can't imagine what life would be like if I hadn't been forced to stop the life I had and reflect on whether or not I valued the experience that I was having. But let's take the opposite approach. So this morning, many of us woke up to the news that Colin Powell had died from COVID complications and he was fully vaccinated. Colin Powell, we might remember, will go down in history for a few things. He was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley's position. He held up a vial at the U.N., that he pretended was anthrax to help lie America into the war in Iraq. So, I mean, hero, obviously. He was the first black secretary of state. And in his time as secretary of state, he used private email the same way Hillary Clinton did. So again, hero. And of course, he is a card carrying member of the deep state. The way the media is interpreting Colin Powell's death is rather amazing. And of course, the people on social media are going ballistic. They are blaming the unvaccinated for Colin Powell's death. Here's a beautiful one from some guy named uh, Jeff Tiedrick. Colin Powell didn't die because he was vaccinated. He died because you weren't. And I guess I can take that personally because I'm not vaccinated. I mean, I am vaccinated for other things. Just I, you know, chose not to join the medical experiment. So Colin Powell died for my sins. <laughs> Is that what he's getting at? I killed Colin Powell with a disease I don't have. And I didn't give him a man who I have never met and never been anywhere in the vicinity of. I killed Colin Powell, even though he's vaccinated. So the vaccine didn't prevent Colin Powell from getting COVID, didn't prevent him from getting sick from COVID, and it didn't prevent him from dying of COVID. But my vaccine would have done all of that. Okay, I got it. Here's another one. Damn it. This is Kevin Barron. This is a blue anon, uh, blue check mark on Twitter. Damn it. They killed Colin Powell. Their sick devotion to partisan political power and personality cult over public health and security, knowledge and intelligence has killed 724,000 of us. I mean, 
What? R.I.P. Mr. Secretary, get vaccinated, mask up, stop the spread. I mean, did he prepare this tweet in uh, February? (laughs) He's just been sitting on it, waiting for it to finally become applicable. 724,000 of us. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's all the evil unvaccinated people killing all the good vaccinated people. That's what he must mean. 724,000 of us. He certainly doesn't mean Americans. Although that's the statistic he is pretending to cite. If he meant Americans, that would mean that we are all a cohesive group and he wouldn't be able to so easily distinguish one tribe from the other. It wouldn't be so tribal in the first place if he actually considered himself and everyone else Americans. But the mainstream media really has the best takes on all of this. They're not exactly sure which narrative to roll with. So they're trying to use all of them at the same time. It is very difficult for them to agree with Colin Powell's own family statement that he died from COVID complications. So they are blaming it on uh, multiple myeloma and Parkinson's. This is a headline that CNN has put up today. Powell had Parkinson's in addition to cancer. His longtime chief of staff says Peggy Safrino, Colin Powell's longtime chief of staff confirms to CNN that in addition to multiple myeloma, Colin Powell also had Parkinson's, which put him at high risk with an immunocompromised system. That's amazing. I was told that the vaccine actually improves the strength of your immune system to battle off COVID-19. Apparently, that's not true if you're 84. All I can think about is how much worse it would have been had he not been vaccinated. And just for the record, there is absolutely no way that the vaccine caused this death. Multiple myeloma is a cancer of plasma cells that suppresses the body's immune response. Hmm. I guess we'll keep that in mind for the future. Safrino also confirmed that Powell was vaccinated early on with Pfizer vaccine and had his second shot in February. She said he was scheduled to get his booster shot this past week, but that was when he fell ill, so he wasn't able to receive it. Okay. And then CNN adds at the bottom, remember in bold, for fully vaccinated Americans, the risk of being hospitalized or dying from COVID-19 is low, much lower than the risk for unvaccinated people. But in those rare cases, when a fully vaccinated person gets infected, data suggests It is older adults and those with multiple underlying medical conditions who are most at risk of serious illness. Okay, so just like before is what you're saying. It's amazing that CNN does this. It really is. I am impressed. This short article only exists to counter the narrative that they are also putting out. They have no choice but to put it out. They have to say that Colin Powell died from COVID complications and was fully vaccinated. That is literally the statement that his family put out. So they can't deny completely that that's what happened. Instead, they will supplement the true story with a story that takes you back onto the path they want you on. 
And that's the story that allows you to say it's not the vaccine and it's not COVID. It was actually the myeloma. Oh, it was the myeloma plus the Parkinson's. Oh, it was the myeloma and the Parkinson's plus his age. It was all of that plus his weakened immune system. So it's not that the vaccine failed. It's that COVID is so strong, especially when all this other stuff is there. And in case the implications of the article aren't sufficient, then at the bottom, they have to add the caveat that it's like, okay, well, yeah, this happened to Colin Powell, but it's very, very rare. And we'll see how rare it continues to be. I actually saw some genius today make the point that this is the first very famous person this has happened to, which actually shows you how rare it is. And that is some very, very galaxy brain stuff. Now, they're going to use this, as I mentioned in these tweets, to try to shift everything back to the unvaccinated. But people are not buying this anymore. You can see the protests all around the world every week about the vaccine passports, about vaccine mandates. Today, Southwest employees are protesting outside of Southwest's headquarters about the vaccine mandates. People do not want to get the vaccine. And it is becoming undeniable that the government is lying to us about how many people have taken it. There cannot be all of these industries where they're going to lose 40, 50, 60% of their workforce from the vaccine mandates. If we actually had, what do they say? It's uh, something like 180 million fully vaccinated Americans. If that's the case, what industry are all of them in? Just another narrative that is completely falling apart. And there was a brilliant article today, Real Clear Politics. This is uh, A.B. Stoddard. Uh, Donald Trump actually put this article out in a statement this morning. Uh, if the polls are right, Dems are doomed. If they're wrong, it's worse. In less than three months, President Biden's approval rating has tumbled from a remarkable position in a polarized nation to the lowest of all but two presidents since 1945. Democrats are panicked, though refusing to course correct, hoping the pandemic will retreat. The economy will rebound and their agenda will pass through Congress and turn out to be popular down the line. Is that going to happen? Of course it's not. The reason their numbers are so bad is because everyone can now see what's going on. This is a factor of the information stream as much as it is a factor of what's happening in reality. Okay. The things that the Democrat Communist Party have been doing for years have been terrible in reality, but a large portion of the country had no idea about it because the information stream was so controlled, so censored, so closed. Now we have moved beyond the mainstream media and the social media companies, the legacy social media companies, and we're getting information around at a faster rate. They cannot keep up with this anymore. All of these narratives are going to continue to fail. We have already reached a critical mass. At this point, it is just a snowball rolling down a hill, getting larger and faster as it goes. The standing of the party with voters at this time isn't in doubt. It's awful. 
Biden's average job approval rating on July 20th was 52.4% in the Real Clear Politics average before tanking precipitously and taking the party's fortunes with him as the Delta variant surged and American troops withdrew from Afghanistan in a deadly and tragic exit. RCP currently has him at 43.3%. His approval in Gallup has dropped 13 points since June, six points in this last month. The latest Quinnipiac University poll has Biden's approval disapproval at 38 to 53, down four points in three weeks. Specific findings on leadership questions were dreadful, with Biden's numbers falling since April by nine points on the question of whether he cares about average Americans, seven points on whether he is honest, and nine points on whether he has good leadership skills. The latest morning consult Politico findings from last week showed Biden's approval underwater across the board at 45% approval overall, 40% on the economy, 44% on healthcare, 40% on national security, 33% on immigration, and 36% on foreign policy. The only number not underwater was Biden's COVID approval of 49 to 46, 30 points lower than it was last spring. Across all polling, Biden's approval on the questions of competence and accomplishment have suffered. And that morning consult Politico survey stated the shares of independent and Democratic voters who say Biden has underperformed expectations have doubled over the past three months. The decline in covid deaths, hospitalizations and infections and the disappearance of Afghanistan from the news has done nothing to stabilize the downward trajectory. In order for Democrats to stay competitive in the midterm elections, Biden's approval would have to get back up to 50 to 52 percent. Low presidential approval ratings have correlated to significant losses for the president's party in the last four midterm elections, 2018, 2014, 2010, 2006. Meanwhile, Republicans have narrowed the margin in the congressional generic ballot and a September morning consult political poll found 58% of GOP voters say they're extremely or very enthusiastic to vote in the 2022 midterms up 10 points since July. Even if their polling was good, Democrats face fierce headwinds next year. Historical trends that favor the party out of power in the midterms in a president's first term, a fragile four seat margin in the House and no margin in the Senate, all of which can easily erase their congressional majorities and redistricting maps that favor the GOP. In addition, the party is facing new liabilities in voter registration. It has lost registered voters in critical states in considerable numbers. The Hill reported registration is down for Democrats since 2019 in Florida by more than 200,000. In North Carolina, by more than 135,000 and in Pennsylvania, by more than 200,000. Wait a second. Democrat registration in Pennsylvania is down by more than 200,000 since 2019. Wow. How did they get all those votes in 2020 to get Joe Biden the win in Pennsylvania? How did that happen? It's a mystery. Democrats have seen marginal increases in party registration in Arizona and New Hampshire. Sure they have. Postmortem assessments are complicated and largely inconclusive, but several point to the likelihood that both Republican and Democratic polls, all of which favored Biden over President Trump, were off by an average of four percentage points. That most surveys likely oversampled liberal Democrats, that a surge of new voters could have contributed to the polling errors, and that Trump supporters were less likely to respond to pollsters because Trump repeatedly characterized them as fake or suppression polls, which they were. While 2022 will not uh, be a presidential year, a study of 2020 polls by the American Association of Public Opinion Research found that, quote, 
The overstatement of the Democrat-Republican margins in polls was larger on average in senatorial and gubernatorial races compared to the presidential contest. Last year, Democrats poured record sums into Senate races in red states like Montana, South Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, and Iowa because the polling looked so promising, only to lose them all. Isn't that incredible as well? The Democrats had good polling in all these places. They dumped a ton of money into the races in all those places, and they lost all of them. And that's because Donald Trump was so unpopular, right? Isn't that what we were told? Donald Trump was so unpopular that he was dragging down the GOP ticket and he may cost the GOP all these Senate seats. Turns out Donald Trump had these massive coattails. He won all those Senate seats. He did great in the House races, pulling tons of congressional candidates along to victory. But he himself was very popular. That's what we were supposed to believe. That's what we were told. Makes sense, doesn't it? Certainly voter turnout can defy all polling predictions, but Democrats will have a rough time turning out their voters next year when the base of the party is likely to feel more disappointment than gratitude for the party's accomplishments in 2021 and 2022, and the GOP base is likely to be highly energized. A few weeks from now, the first consequential bellwether election will take place in Virginia, where former Governor Terry McAuliffe, who is running again, is tied with Republican Glenn Youngkin in the polls. If McAuliffe pulls it out, Democrats will likely dismiss the scenario that polling around the rest of the country is portraying for them next year. They shouldn't. Much can happen in a year. Democrats' hopes for improvement in the economy and the pandemic and a return on their far-reaching infrastructure agenda may materialize. Revelations from the select committee investigating the January 6th insurrection may challenge GOP candidates trying to avoid any daylight between their campaigns and Trump. Trump's war with the GOP and his constant messaging to its voters that all elections are rigged may cost the party substantial voter turnout in key districts or states. But Democrats shouldn't count on it. They should believe the polls and campaign like they do. Now, it's not hard to hear the bias in this article. It is clear what the bias is. This is completely toward the uniparty. A.B. Stoddard is no fan of Donald Trump. But the point here is that these polls are bad, really very bad for Biden and for the Democrats, and that the polls aren't properly capturing what the country actually feels, just as they did not last year. The truth is that the real state of things is probably much worse than these polls show. And truthfully, Stoddard could have actually gone to polls that were even worse for Joe Biden and still made this point. There are numerous polls out there that are far worse for Joe Biden than the ones Stoddard listed. And the Real Clear Politics average has always benefited Biden in terms of public perception. The real picture is far, far worse than what Stoddard is describing. The Democrats aren't just getting crushed in some polls and on some issues. They're getting crushed in all of it. The entire narrative is collapsing. And the rate at which people are being pushed to that precipice is increasing. More people are reaching that point. And when they reach that point, they're making the same decision that Kyrie Irving and Allison Williams and all these cops 
and firefighters and teachers and airline workers and healthcare workers. They're all reaching that point and they're making the same decision. They have more to live for than their job. And once they have seen and understood and come to terms with what this society is actually trying to do to them, to them personally. All right. It's not about the news anymore. It's about what the society is doing to your life, right? We all have our lives. We've set them up in certain ways. We think that we have some level of comfort and stability when the government is showing you that they can take that away from you immediately. You are going to turn away immediately from the government. More and more people are getting to that point. They are realizing what this thing is and what it has always been. And they are choosing to walk through that door. Like I was talking about with Rogan and Michael Schellenberger the other day. They know what the problem is. They're just not affected in their own lives in any way. And if you're not brought to that precipice, then you don't have any incentive to make a change as big as this because the change is massive. You have to basically let go of all these things you once believed about your life and the world around you and your place in that world. But your place in that world is this. You are a free person with liberty and responsibility to make decisions for yourself. You don't have a choice. You can't put them onto somebody else. You can't trust someone else's discernment in place of your own. Because that's how we got here to begin with. And this whole thing that's happening right now will ultimately be very productive. But I don't think any of us want to repeat it. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masked and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'mYourModerator.Substack.com and the merch site is CancelCouture.com. You can also go direct to that at Shop.Spreadshirt.com slash Cancel dash Couture. 
I'll see you next time. Out on the range. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofi. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!